Hello everyone, I'm Andres Vélez. And I'm Maximo Quillet. We are the Pearson Scoop, the ESA FinTech podcast, where we talk about all things FinTech career. And we have our guest, Evandro Castro here to speak about his experience at Carbon. Thank you for coming and joining us, Evandro. It's that's, a pleasure to have you. That's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. And thanks for saying my name very accurately. That's <laughs> yeah, that's not common. Why don't you tell us a bit about your pre-MBA experience? All right, yeah. So I come from, from Brazil, uh, from the countryside, and I have a background in, in computer science. I started my career as a programmer in PHP, but soon enough I realized I wanted more. I wanted to see the big picture, I wanted to know more about technology, and then I started in 2012 uh, at Itaú, the biggest Latin American bank in market capitalization and assets, uh, as through the trainee program. And in this training program, it was very interesting because I had the opportunity of doing this rotational uh, program throughout the technology department and get to know how things work and all the challenges that we have uh, inside the company. So the last eight years, I've been working there with project management and more recently with Agile, uh, setting up Agile teams to, to improve uh, the way we deliver, the speed of delivery and also the deployment cycles and so on, like instituting OKRs to deal with this uh, challenge of, of, of fintechs. We have to adapt everything in the bank. So it has, it has been a challenge to change everything there. And so I reached a point in which I, I thought, well, it, good enough, but now I want to understand more about this market fintech. I want to know more about strategy. I want to know more about the business and not be only on the tech side. So the MBA has been my move in this direction. Very nice. And so you were working in response to the fintech, trying to have Itaú uh, catch up to what the fintech were doing, even though you had to keep up with the legacy software and keep it integrated, right? Exactly. So it's uh, I, I like to say sometimes I, I was very upset when I saw the app of uh, uh, Challenger Bank and right. it was better than the one that we produced. And I thought, well, am I a trader? Am I, well, I, I should like more uh, hours our better. But actually, it's, it's, you have to realize uh, that these small companies, they have the ability to do something different. They are agile in a way. They have this flexibility to build. They don't have to maintain legacy systems. They don't have all this structure uh, to, to maintain. So they are actually able to do something and we have to learn something from them and this is something that I've been trying to, to learn more because I want to go back to, to Itaú and help the company to uh, achieve success in this new environment because things are going to change. We got to be prepared. Uh, we are the biggest ones but still uh, we have to change a lot of things too. Evandro, earlier before the recording you were meant, you, we were talking here amongst the three of us about some of the challenges, the specific challenges that the legacy banks face. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit more about that? I think it was really uh, eye-opening as on the back end. I think our listeners would get, a, would get a lot of value out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's hard to imagine uh, to think that there are still mainframes running on car banking of, of uh, big banks and uh, systems that were built on the 80s that we cannot get rid of them. We try to improve the, the infrastructure, we try to improve our systems, but you still have car banking running on COBOL, this, which is something that no one talks about, no one learns anymore. And it's a very 
specific profile of programmer that you gotta have and they are high paid and so on to maintain this kind of systems and it's it's very hard to get rid of them because the entire structure of the bank uh, like uh, millions of users are linked to this and sometimes when you do a project well I want to build a new feature and then I this is a very simple feature uh, I spend like 20 hours programming the feature and then I spend like 600 hours testing it to guarantee that there's no side effect in some other system and sometimes it does because it's it's even hard to to predict it at some point in the bank we were mapping all the systems that we had and I remember that we had 1800 different systems working together like connected to each other so it's very likely that if you change something you're gonna have a side effect somewhere else that you did not predict at all and this is the result of uh, a series of MNAs and and that have happened this consolidation of banking happened in Brazil I think it happened uh, worldwide and every time a new MNA happened new systems came everything was connected and this is the challenge we have to evolve this platform we have to change it to build microservices that allow us to do small changes without uh, compromising the entire chain of, of systems but we still have to maintain these ones because they are the core banking they are still there working extremely difficult and underappreciated but these legacy banks need to catch up with uh with the fintechs right yeah sure and the fintech has already started from scratch right. like with microservices with agile teams and already very customer centric in a sense that you you change it very quickly so they have this advantage and the incumbents have the advantage that they have uh, the cash and they have the history and they have the clients so uh, they they will converge in a way uh, so these small ones will uh, become more, um, I don't know, trustable in a way. So they, they're going to get bigger and the big ones will have to, to get quicker. So they will convert. So the question is, how is it going to be this, this, this convergence? The small ones will get bigger or the big ones will get uh, quicker right. first. Right. And, and you, we were, well, I think it's important for people to understand your standpoint on FinTech and, and did you come to with FinTech in mind for the MBA or, or and, and continuing after or not? I mean, I think this is a good perspective because we haven't had your perspective here on on, uh, on the scoop yet. Absolutely. Well, my plan is to come back to, to the, the, my original company, to Itaú. Well, it has always been the plan. Uh, but from day one, I knew I wanted to focus my, my learning here in FinTech because I know the importance it has for me to come back and to help uh, the company in this, in this process. So from day one, I avoided distraction. So uh, when, taking, when talking about internships, I didn't try big tech or I didn't try anything else. I was just focused on fintech because I know how much, on, on one hand, it's very nice in, on the MBA that you can learn a lot of different things. But you, if you don't focus, if you don't narrow the things that you want to focus, there's a high chance that you're gonna lose focus and not learn anything. So I started with this mindset. I'm here to learn about uh, strategy business and, and so on but to focus on fintech this is the industry that will benefit me more on the long run how did you learn about Carlo yeah that's an interesting point because um, that's a company from Monaco this is like this is very unlikely that I would find this company I actually learned from them and the virtual startup career fair that the CDC organized and the Antoine 
the the founder of the uh, of Carlo came to the to the startup career fair, made the presentation of three minutes, and the moment he presented this, it was like about local merchants protecting local economy and so on. I resonate so much with this because like I come from a family of local merchants, and then I thought, well, this is gonna be a good place for me to work at because I will identify myself with the goal of the company. So then I invested a, a lot of time. Like I did a cover letter, I had one uh, one fit interview and this match actually happened, like this identification of, of goals. And this was like late in April. I was already very wor worried that I could have narrowed down the focus too much and it could uh, be bad. I could not have had the, the, the internship I wanted to, but in the end it was worth it to, to narrow down and I got in the last week and I, I, I liked a lot the internship. I think it's a, a perfect segue into telling us a bit about Carlo and uh, tell us more about the company because you just alluded to it and, and I think it'd be great for all of us to learn more about it. Absolutely. So Carlo is uh, an app, a payment app, which uses the simplest payment method possible, which is a QR code that local merchants uh, print. They put it on, on, on their store. Users come, scan the QR code and do the payment. Every time a user does a payment, uh, the merchant gives 10% discount in cashback. This is 5% cashback for the customer, 2% cashback for the customer or the store that referred this customer and 3% fees for Carlo. Uh, we have historically uh, data that says, suggests that uh, from the highly engaged merchants, 57 to 60% of this money invested in giving discounts, this 10%, comes back to them in form of cashback because users are encouraged to come back as, as soon as you have a digital wallet. You see you have cashback and you have to use it in local merchants. So this money does not flow out of the local community. This, this generates a smart local currency, a loyalty program and, and on, on the scale of the city. This is ways of defining it. It's not very easy to define uh, the business model. This is something uh, very new. And so you guarantee that money does not flow out of the economy when you give discounts for customers. And it was founded by Antoine based on his observation that usually local merchants would give 10% discount on average for customers who were loyal to the shops. So then he thought, well, why not make this 10% useful and make sure it does not fly back from the local economy. So this is how the business model has been built. So can you tell us more about your role at Carlo? Yeah. The idea was when I made the interview with, with Antoine, he was looking for someone to explore the possibility of doing an expansion for a new city and eventually new country, of course, because Monaco is, 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 is small. And then um, when I understood the, his, his proposal, I proposed him to expand to Barcelona. So my uh, role was city manager, Barcelona, business development. So the idea was to uh, take a look at the market here and see if the conditions are equal and are like in Monaco, if there would be a way for us, for Carlo to expand here. So basically talk to merchants, understand their, their pain points, understand, like uh, demonstrate the solution, see if this fits for them and see how feasible it would be to do this expansion. And it includes also uh, legal things like uh, how to charge VAT or how 
do we need to open a new company and so on like just small things that I had to take care of or even um, uh, setting up new channels uh, social media channels on Instagram and Facebook this was all part of my job this is the beauty of being in a startup is that you do a little bit of everything it's like you are the city manager of Barcelona go ahead and, 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 and do your work this I, I, I remember uh, the first day it was it was a, a Friday and I was about to start on the next Monday and then I talked to one and he said well Monday you're gonna go there uh, walk around Gracia and uh, sell Carlo and then I, I thought well sell what wait I need to learn more about this no no go ahead and sell you're not gonna have the perfect pitch and the perfect product unless you try it out go there and try your pitch the first time is not going to be perfect the second time is not going to be perfect but after five times you're going to see how much you're better at selling it don't wait until you you have the perfect product or pitch to go sell it go ahead and try and this actually was a very insightful thing because when you think about startups and and so on that's it you gotta try you gotta try and improve as you go did you have a background in sales at all? Not at all. Yeah, this is the, the thing that was like totally uh, mind-blowing about my internship I, because I never thought about having a, a role in sales. I had never had and I was actually afraid of this. I, this is not something I do naturally like to, to, to do sales pitch. And this was totally out of my comfort zone, but I liked it a lot because I just realized how powerful it is that you go ahead and pitch your idea and pitch to, to different people and you see their reactions, you improve your pitch and then you go better the next the next day. So I went to see 90 merchants in total in Gracia. Uh, out of the 90, I was able to reach 55 decision makers, which are the managers and the responsible for the shops. So then when I reach the decision maker, then you explain the idea. So then they, they understand, you see how, how much they are willing to, to use it. You, you demonstrate and so on. And I got like 15 uh, signatures of letters of, of interest. So this is a very good conversion rate because I'm coming from nowhere and saying, well, I, we have a solution in Monaco, we want to do this. And actually, the idea is that they were very interested in, 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 in using it because you have this, this local feeling. And Gracia is, is, a, is a neighborhood in which people support each other. They want to have this local feeling. And so this, I think, um, my experience proved that there's potential for the app outside Monaco. We've got to find the right neighborhoods and the right moments to expand. That's fantastic. That's, that's really great to hear. Um, Thinking about what, you know, you've talked a bit about your, your specific sales experience, but talk to us a little bit more on the, on the business development side. Is there like a, was there a data analysis component and all these kind of things? I know your background would be great for all that. Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So the beauty, again, the beauty of being a startup is that you have uh, freedom to do whatever you want. So I had free access to, to data and I could like understand and classify users what I did for example I did cluster analysis to classify users based on their behavior so you just take all the transactions all the users and you see uh, how often they spend uh, users that spend in different shops or in the same shops which are the loyal ones or uh, the average ticket and so on so I was able to classify this to see um, 
how we can help even in Monaco to improve customers engagement by uh, making making gamification or even um, like giving them some some sort of recognition for shopping local or some something like this and also the focus of the app is the merchant it's it's a two-sided platform you know you you need more merchants to have more users you need more users to have more merchants one uh, appeals to the other but the focus is the merchant we have to the mission is to give them a tool to compete in the digital economy which they are not prepared to which they don't have money to invest on so you provide them with this tool to survive in this economy and that's it and you have to guarantee that they understand the benefits of this so then by looking at the database by looking at the, the transactions I could see that 20% uh, of the merchants responded for 80% of the exactly 22 22% of the merchants responded for 80% of the transactions so then we have um, a small amount of merchants very engaged and some others are not seeing the uh, benefit of the app yet. So there's still some work to do to work with engagement. And this is something that I did as well. What was a typical day like for you? That was so I planned uh, throughout my week, uh, two or three days to go and talk to merchants and the other ones to, to do some planning and, and work on the, on the channels. So first of all, uh, all the material that I had to start working was in French, so I had to translate this and even the website, I had to translate the website to Spanish and, 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 and English to use it as, as material to, to do the selling and like set up the, the media channels, social media channels. So I would divide my work between like field, go talk to merchants, come back. Uh, give the feedback for, for, for the founder and for the development team, which is in Syria, by the way, which is very interesting. So it's a, it's a very international company that has uh, been used from the beginning uh, as, with the virtual work. So this is no disruption when, when COVID oh, hit. Yeah, they were used to this. And so I was there getting feedbacks, coming back and uh, talking to, to the developers talking a lot of the prioritization of features and so on. So I was dividing my, my day like this. One question we really like to ask our guests is, what would you tell yourself this time last year? That's an interesting question. I think I would start by saying, keep calm, keep going. You have made the right decision in the beginning. You have narrowed your, your search, so it's gonna work, but please uh, take more risk while you're networking, go ahead and give ideas, give suggestions. I think this is, there's a, a, an experience that I had in the final interview at BNC 10, for example, I, I had very good conversations. I, I think I was, I, I was about to, to get the internship, but then at, in the end, the guy asked me, so I have presented you all the company and everything that we have here. So how are you going to help us out? And this was a moment of, oh my God, I didn't think about this question. I was not prepared to, to, to answer this, but, and I could have been prepared if I had been bold enough to think and to suggest things for, for the company. And I'm pretty sure Andy maybe, maybe did a better job on this because he got the job at BNC 10. And I think this is the suggestion I would, I would give me. It's like, be bold and speak, speak your mind up for in the first, First time you say this, maybe it's going to sound foolish, but the second time it's going to sound better. And the third time you're going to really make the difference that people will like your ideas. 
I think that's great advice. That's really it's good good learning. I think in our last the last thing we always always like to like ask our guests. The second thing we always like to ask our guests is you know what what books, blogs, or podcasts do you recommend uh, people right now to to stay in touch with the fintech industry? Absolutely. So the podcast that I like to listen is one that has already been mentioned here as the fintech insider. I think it's it's very good to to keep uh, keep up with the news of the industry. The book that I'm going to recommend is not exactly about fintech, but it has a lot to do with just the lean startup. I think this is a must. When we talk about challenges, we talk about small companies, we were talking here about uh, go ahead and sell, go ahead and try it. If it doesn't work, then you adjust and, and try it again. So I think this the, the lean startup is a mindset. This is something that if we want to understand this industry and the, the offer of new products, I think this is a must for everyone. And Third, there's a newsletter, I think, Barcino, I like to, to read it a lot. It's not about only about fintech, but it's everything about startup here in Barcelona. And I think I always get informed with their newsletter, so I think it's it's nice. Those are some great tips. Thank you, Evandro, so much for your, your advice and recommendations. Stay tuned. Until next time, again, thank you, Evandro. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you.